Live from the WTAD studios in the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it's time to pull up a chair and assemble today's WTAD News Roundtable. in the world, and sometimes they get mixed up. It happens. Welcome to the... <laughs> that's got nothing to do with nothing. Nobody has any as idea. As far as the listeners are yeah. concerned, my apologies. Just know that there are many fills in the world, and sometimes they get they get uh, mixed up. All right. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, the news roundtable is uh, on. Mary's covered the bean salad portion of today's programming. So we're going to talk about uh, bailouts and the federal government. What ideas are coming with the $2.2 trillion? What, what would Illinois do with that? What's Illinois' cut of that? And do you believe Senator Duckworth when she says it's just a down payment? So we'll talk about uh, money flow and what it could mean or may not mean for the state of Illinois coming up on the back half of today's show. But first things first, in with all the latest from the WTAD newsroom, say good morning to Scott Hardy. Good morning, Quade. Good morning, everybody. The Pike County, Missouri Health Department has announced its first positive case of COVID-19. It did so Sunday. The case is the third. The person is the third one to test positive for COVID-19 at Hannibal Regional Hospital. The man is currently self-isolating at home. Pike County officials say they're working on tracing that man's social connections and making contacts to lessen the potential spread of the virus. Hannibal Regional says it's tested 42 patients so far, 35 negative results, 3 positives, and 4 results are still pending. Hannibal Regional, as always, encourages everyone to continue social distancing, wash your hands often, cough into your elbow, avoid touching your face, and if you feel sick, stay at home. Morgan County Health Department in Jacksonville says it's received confirmation of the fourth positive case there of the virus. Latest case is a man in his mid-30s who's currently isolated and recovering at home. The County Health Department there in Morgan County, their communicable disease staff, say they're also investigating exposures and contacts as well. A Morgan County Health Department spokesperson told our news gathering partners at KHQA, that since the first patient tested positive in the county, several local businesses have implemented new measures to keep their employees and customers safe as well. Western Illinois University's Board of Trustees plans to hold a special meeting this uh, within the hour. They may temporarily give more power to the school's interim president. WIU says the board will hold a special meeting via teleconferencing at 11 a.m. Statement says they'll consider a resolution that would temporarily suspend any rules and authority the board has over campus operations and delegate those to interim president Martin Abraham. They say the move is due to the COVID-19 pandemic and would only last until the state of emergency is lifted or until the next board of trustees meeting, whichever happens first. Board says the meeting is closed to the public due to Governor Pritzker's stay-at-home order, but the meeting will be live-streamed on WIU's YouTube channel. Palmyra R1 school district students are getting or now starting to get meals from the school as of today. Palmyra says they're able to provide the meals due to getting a federal lunch program waiver allowing the district to provide free meals to all kids 18 and under who live in the district while schools are closed. The uh, 
Folks in Palmyra say there are a number of pickup points throughout the district for people to collect meals. Those meals were available and they will be available weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. at every pickup point except Palmyra Elementary School. Pickup times there will be from 10.30 to 11.30 daily. Officials say when you collect the meal there, there'll be a lunch meal and breakfast for the next day in each bag. Officials say parents should see a school bus parked at each location. They're asked to drive up to the bus and stay in your car. When you drive up to the bus, uh, you're to say how many meals are needed. You can do so with hand signals or write it down on a piece of paper. Someone will then get off the bus to deliver the meals. Adams County Road officials say starting this week, a bridge near Siloam Springs State Park will be closed for repairs for about a month. The Adams County Highway Department says that Siloam Springs Road will be closed so crews can paint the bridge over McKee Creek. That's about two miles south of the state park or immediately north of the intersection of North 800th Avenue and East 28th 73rd Lane. Blasting and painting of the bridge steel will finish work on the bridge that was started last year. That bridge was temporarily reopened to traffic over the winter. Initial work of installing the scaffolding under the bridge got underway this morning and the road will be closed by Friday. That bridge should be reopened to traffic by the end of April depending on the weather. The highway department says there won't be any marked detour routes, so you're advised to use an alternate route. Springfield, Illinois contractor is doing the work on the nearly $600,000 project. The Missouri Department of Transportation says that starting today, Marion County drivers near Taylor will see a lot of their road crews for the next five months. MoDOT says that work is uh, getting underway today at the 6124 interchange as preparations start for rehabilitation work on three bridges there. Last fall, the State Highways and Transportation Commission awarded a $1.75 million contract to rehab two bridges on 61 and a third bridge on 24 at the interchange at Taylor. MoDOT says all work is set to be done by September 1st. There will be a 16-foot width restriction in place for the work zone throughout the project. The first phase will include closing the southbound passing lane bridge on 61 over 24, MoDOT area engineer Brian Untide says that in addition, crews will have to close the ramp from southbound 61 to eastbound 24, in addition to the ramp from westbound 24 to northbound 61. That should happen sometime in May, and that will last through September 1st. There'll be a two-and-a-half-mile detour in place during that closure. MoDOT also says that starting today, it's starting repairs and resurfacing parts of U.S. 36 in Shelby and Macon counties. MoDOT says the work by a Columbia contractor will start in Shelby County, on the eastbound lanes of 36 from 1.7 miles west of Clarence to about 2 miles east of Shelby County Route Double P near Lakenon. Once that's done, crews will begin resurfacing the westbound lanes of 36 in Macon and Shelby County. That project will go from 1.7 miles west of Shelby County Route Z to the north fork of the Salt River near Honeywell and 2.2 miles west of Missouri 151 at Clarence to just east of U.S. 63 near Macon. Total cost of that project is some $6.6 million. And no criminal charges will be filed following a forensic audit of the Hannibal Board of Public Works. Board member Stephen Frank said that the board is confident that some $215,000 spent outside of board policy was spent on legitimate utility purposes. That's why he says that no further action and no criminal charges are planned at this time. Hannibal Police Chief Lyndall Davis told our news gathering partners at KHQA that BPW members would determine whether or not they want to pursue criminal charges, saying, quote, this is not unlike any other perceived victim of a financial crime, end quote. Spokesperson with the Missouri Auditor's Office say they don't have legal authority to conduct audits of municipalities or first-class counties unless a formal request comes from the governing body or a petition from area citizens. Spokesperson with the Missouri Attorney General's Office says they're looking into the process and wouldn't comment on the audit results as well. 
Auditors found over $12,000 in credit card spending on personal purchases by employees who are no longer with the HBPW. That is a look at the latest in local news. Of course, we'll have more for you throughout the afternoon right here on WTAD.com and on our social media pages, including both Twitter and Facebook. And a reminder, City uh, Quincy City Council meets tonight, and they are expected to take up uh, measures that would immediately approve the uh, loan program for small businesses with loans of up to uh, $10,000 out of a $500,000 fund that uh, the uh, city council is expected to create tonight. So we'll and, keep you covered on that. All right. Thank you very much, sir. And those the loans are at uh, 1% interest, I believe, that is the mayor said. That is, that is correct. Their, uh, their plan is to approve it tonight. They'll waive the three readings and just approve it tonight. And then they'll post the application on the city's website Tuesday morning. Okay, and the third person to test positive at uh, Hannibal Regional Hospital, I, I, I'm looking at the map. So uh, the the uh, first two weren't from Marion County. None there of was... them. None of them have been. The first person was from Rawls County. Mm-hmm. The second person was from a, I believe, a, Shel- a Shelby County nursing home, and this third person is from Pike County, Missouri. Okay. All and, right. Yeah, they've been around the area, but they've all tested positive, and they've, the testing's been done at, at Hannibal Regional. Okay. And just making sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, we'll take a time out. When we come back, stimulus money. Uh, what uh, is going to happen with that, and is it technically already gone? Details when we come back on the News Roundtable. WTAD. Definitely over 70. Yes, he is. Oh, you see, he sees. And for those of you who are, for some reason, unsure, we're talking about Slowhand. Eric Clapton. Or otherwise Try known it. as Clapton is God. Uh, I'm trying to remember which album this was on. Slowhand. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to put it on uh, with, uh, cigarettes and laundry or something. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 1977. The one, all right. That doesn't go together, cigarettes and laundry. <laughs> I, that's probably not even that. And, I, and I'm embarrassed that I can't remember the exact title of that. Somewhere my mother-in-law is throwing things around the, the kitchen, embarrassed that she's related to be my marriage uh, now because, A, she had that album. B, I had a very thorough uh, Clapton portion of my life where I was immersed in his music and style of play to the point where I could I could tell if Clapton was playing on something just by listening to it. I didn't have to know. Mm-hmm. You could pick out his style of play. Yeah. Uh, and if you listen to guitars well enough, and I think we've mentioned this on, on the show before, you can pick out a particular style on somebody. Oh, sure. Uh, they, they have distinctive uh, uh, ways of uh, playing that instrument, tones mm-hmm. and stuff. So I feel bad uh, that I can't remember the exact time. But, uh, okay, Eric Clapton, over 70. I'm going to say 77. I'm going to say 75. Scott is right. Nailed it. 75? 75. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got to thinking, and because he would have, because he started. I mean, first people really started knowing of him like late sixties. Late sixties, yeah. Uh, Yardbirds. Was he in Yardbirds? Yes, he was. Yeah. That was almost a rite of passage if you were a premier <laughs> Englishman who could Yardbird play guitar. Green, you, you Derek took a and turn. the Dominoes. They would come up to you and say, Oi, you play the guitar. He even had the uh, the uh, John Mayall and the Blues Breakers yep. did, did an album with them. What was the... Uh, this is a great box set. The super, I have that at home, yeah. the, the Crossroads, the original one. Yeah. Um, what was the, uh, the super group that he did with Steve Winwood for the one album? Uh, Blind Faith. Blind Faith had the SR-71 on the cover. Yeah. Good album, too. That is great. <sighs> Welcome back to the News Roundtable, where we get nostalgic about uh, music from the past. <laughs> Every now and then, it's okay. Uh, we know about the uh, $2.2 trillion uh, stimulus that uh, got voted on last week, and we should uh, see uh, checks from in a matter of weeks. But what, if you remember, we, we talked about... Uh, and some people were upset that uh, Senator Durbin, who got called out, was trying to negotiate essentially bailout for Illinois and or Chicago because, well, fiscally, uh, we've been a train wreck here in Illinois for a while. Liz Farmer from the Rockefeller Institute uh, put out a piece that Cranes picked up in Chicago. And uh, Mark Glennon took umbrage with uh, Farmer's uh, piece uh, and he broke it down into, uh, I want to say, uh, five different areas, perhaps six if you want to take it that far, uh, where he had problems with her idea that uh, essentially her plan uh, of investing uh, right into the market will, will help out. Um, he says the idea for state and local government to issue bonds, and this was a part of her idea, uh, to borrow money for pensions. He, he says they're called pension obligation bonds. And he says the proposal is to make those bonds tax-exempt, meaning that uh, federal taxpayers ultimately would subsidize them. If, if you look beyond the, the tax-exempt part and go, well, good, we don't have to pay taxes, that, that means beyond that something has to happen. Uh, he says they represent nothing more than borrowing to cover debt, uh, essentially one credit card uh, to another, or as he says later, it's can-kicking at its purest level. And I don't necessarily uh, disagree with that. The, the, the plan like that essentially is that. Does it fix the problem? No. It pushes it off onto people who will have to take over that responsibility uh, in the future. Secondarily, he says, worse, they gambled that interest paid on the bond would be less than earnings made on the stocks a pension would buy with the borrowed money. That's speculation, uh, and that's essentially what you do when you get into the market. You're gambling that you're going to make more than the interest would be. That's that's the game uh, at uh, at any given time. Uh, he says it's an investment strategy widely shunned as a sucker's game by pension managers and all but a few experts who specialize. In it, and I guess at that point, I would say, can can we get one of those uh, people who specialize in it to to kind of be interested? Because if this is the direction we're going to follow, this is the plan that's being laid out. I think we would want one of those uh, specialists, those experts uh, who understand it uh, thoroughly and know how to more or less game it. Uh, but really, one of the ultimate uh, uh, questions 
beyond the buy low angle as the market would be low now. And I get it, the whole buy, the, the, the dips. Uh, his question is, who's going to buy those bonds from Illinois and or Chicago? And he throws in on this. He doesn't just make it all about uh, us. He says, and others that were in death spirals even before the current downturn. Um, and, that, and that's a very worthwhile question. Who's going to buy that gamble from us uh, that we would ultimately pay it off? Is that a safe bet to make uh, with our ratings? A lot of people are Illinois and or Chicago uh, averse when it comes to this type of stuff. He finally uh, says the final problem with Liz Farmer's uh, suggestions is he says that she omits any conditions that uh, should be attached to federal help. Uh, Glennon says uh, the way we view it is an open-ended federal uh, open-ended federal assistance for state and local governments and any direct assistance to pensions should be conditioned on pension reforms in the states that need it. It's a fair point. If you're going to get money to, to put into these uh, funds that are already uh, way, way, way underwater, shouldn't you uh, insist that the mechanism that got them way, way, way underwater be adjusted if you're going to have other people throwing money at it? He says, under no circumstances should federal money go towards the feudal hope of filling the bottomless pits of the worst managed pensions in Illinois, and he throws it New Jersey, Connecticut, and other states. It's rewarding uh, poor uh, and irresponsible behavior, essentially ensuring that it, or worse, would continue. I mean, what's what's the negative angle of setting it up poorly if you've got other people to come in in a crisis and go, here's some money to, to cover you, uh, it doesn't give you any incentive to fix the problem. Um, also, you, you, you throw into it that Senator Tammy Duckworth says that this $2.2 trillion, again, uh, an amount of money that's hard to wrap your brain around, is just a down payment. It's just the beginning. So that perhaps Senator Durbin's desire... Uh, to uh, get more money to, uh, air quotes, bailouts, uh, Illinois, aren't done. Uh, they see this uh, as essentially an opportunity to uh, push this problem off, at least until others are in the situation of having to be responsible for previous generations' bad math and or bad plans. Um, the uh, Wall Street Journal chimed in, uh, last week about the Federal Reserve uh, Bank essentially gaining more power uh, across the country and inserting itself into state financial issues. And you can say, well, they're helping in this situation, but in doing so, do they create a situation where there's some overreach at the federal level? Um, they're considering, at least according to the Wall Street Journal, as Glennon points out, uh, whether to expand existing facilities to accommodate other municipal debt or, or to launch a new facility devoted to state and local finance. That is certainly federal expansion uh, to oversee states. And at that point in time, if you've got that, do you need state uh, and local finance people, if you've got uh, the Federal Reserve Bank standing over their shoulders. Uh, redundancy in places isn't a terrible thing, 
But what's the point of it if it's costing you that much more? He says this is the problem with potential aid from either Congress or the Fed. He says if that aid goes where it's most needed, it would bail out the most fiscally irresponsible states and cities. Fairness, which you get heard uh, talked about a lot uh, these days, would demand that it go pro rata based on population and help should be conditioned on reform in states that have been reform averse in the past and i don't think it's a ba- it's a it's a worthwhile conversation to have are you going to get federal money well federal money is on the way senator duckworth and durbin are looking at more coming how's that going to be spent essentially it's already been spent and if you just pour it into the giant hole i don't think it's going to fill up gambling on the market are you prepared to do that do you think we're at bottom yet I was listening there for our accountant, our controller, through the door of the studio. I couldn't hear him. He's probably waving his hands right now. That is the Monday edition of the News Roundtable. Uh, Governor Pritzker will make his daily uh, press conference at 2.30. I believe, yes, I believe so. Yeah. 2.30 today. Uh, we'll see if he's, uh, he said he was going to work on uh, better transparency with the numbers over the weekend. Uh, we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition later this afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. You should be here, too. The News Roundtable will reconvene tomorrow morning at 10.06 a.m. on AM 930 WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com.